Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. My name is John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back, friends. Joined in the studio today by Caitlin Van Wagner of episode 76, Fame. That's where we talked about women and leadership and working together, men and women. Still one of our most downloaded episodes. Caitlin, welcome back, my friend. I'm so glad to be here, John. It's <laughs> I, been a while. It has. It's been too but long. But we're back. Well, we are back. We had some comedic gold. We covered lots of topics before we hit record. Health, yeah. fashion. Yeah. I did not appropriately select my outfit for this podcast recording. My outfit has large graphic stars all over it, which isn't exactly the professional vibe we're going after today. And I made a critical outfit error. <laughs> but we're just excited about it. We're excited I, to be here. You know, things I've never said before, a critical outfit error. Yeah. I don't think I've ever... Listen, it is part of being a woman in ministry, and I think the world needs to know. Okay. That's not what I came here to talk about, but we can go there. So today we're going to talk about a talk that I gave. I followed you, Caitlin. It was a talk that I gave at our all staff meeting. So once a week, we gather together on Tuesday morning for about two hours. And last year, we did a series of kind of presentations, trainings, maybe mm-hmm. be the better word, um, just some deeper dives on some things. And you did a talk on communication. We talked about nail polish. Um, talked about jam. Talked about jam. It was how to be persuasive. <laughs> was... And I gave a fake TED talk on why short red nail polish is the only option for nail color. And it really confused a lot of people, but we got there. Oh, it was no? brilliant. It was, it, was brilliant. A, it was a case study. It was, it was memorable. memorable. And so I then, my, my topic was how to thrive at Watermark. And so th- this was you know geared specifically to um, our crew. However, I think all the principles will transfer across any organization. And really what I was trying to drive at was, what are the things that people talk about kind of behind mm-hmm. your back? So we, we've we got, I, w- I would say, Caitlin, I don't know what you think, maybe 10 things uh, that are tr- yeah. our traditional values. We talk about them all the time, you know, resolving conflict, uh, relational trust, professional trust, spiritual trust, walking with Jesus, like all those things we talk about a lot. And clearly, uh, we evaluate a staff. That's how you're viewed around here. However, there's a, another maybe two handfuls of things that also come up in meetings. Sometimes we just don't have time to, to talk about those. And so I just said, we're just going to jump the big stuff, the normal stuff, and talk about a few of the things that might come up kind of you know behind closed doors as we talk about uh, staff and things like that. I, I think about what we're going to talk today is kind of defining someone's X factor. It's like when, when somebody meets all the requirements, but they have this extra something that really makes them stand out. And so, John, you've done a really good job. You did a really good job in that presentation of giving us examples of what that is. And I think that they're going to be good handholds for thinking about, hey, hey, is does this define you and how you could stand out in your organization? Yeah. And so I hope this is you know, helpful at a lot of different levels. Uh, one, just for you as a leader, no matter where you are, if we go long, Caitlin, if you get really long winded, you, you don't come up for air, then we're going to make this into two episodes. Oh, wow. Um, if Challenge it, accepted. If, <laughs> if it's concise, uh, it'll be a standalone. I hope it'll be useful for you. I hope if you are leading other people, this would be a good one to, to give uh, someone and say, hey, let's talk about uh, specifically this question. If you are, you know, if you've got a group of friends that have a growth mindset, this could be a good one to pass on to your friends and say, I am working on number seven. You know, which one are you going to work on? Will you hold me accountable? What are your ideas? What feedback do you have for me like that? So, so we get, we had these 10 and one of the things I also did was highlight someone in our organization that embodied you know, these, these values, these X factors really, really well. So a lot of times, you know, we can talk about the negatives of something. Sometimes it's even more powerful to highlight someone who is doing that 
really, really well. They celebrate them and, and kind of call them out and make heroes. That's how you know in an organization what's really important is when you make heroes out mm-hmm. of people who embody these different things. And so these are people who generally don't have a microphone on Sunday morning, but play really important roles here. And I would I just use that as a kind of a two-pronged approach. One, to be really, really clear about what the content was. And then Second, who was it that embodied it, to give an example, and then also just to encourage them uh, publicly. So we may mention some of those names here. They may or not mean anything to you, but those these are people that are really dear and important to us. So should we get going? Let's get going. Okay, so we've got 10 principles today, John, and I think you're going to kick us off with the first one. Yeah. So the first one of these is how do you disagree well? And there was a story that, that I shared, one of the gals on staff, she had an issue with the way with the decision we had made. So we had a big conference coming up, really big conference. Mm-hmm. Child care was going to be really, really tricky. So we just kind of made this unilateral move of not having child care kind of at, at any level. And, you know, she's a working mom. She said, I've got, I've got a different take on that. You know, can I respectfully, A, can I understand how we got to this decision? Uh, and then two, can I propose another way? And we moved a little bit. We didn't move as far as she wanted us to move. But this is what was so great. There was no drama. Mm-hmm. There was no personal attacks. There wasn't, you know, I'm going to burn this place down. In fact, she actually worked to carry out some of the solutions, mm-hmm. uh, or some of the ideas, some of them that she came up with. But more oftentimes than not, these were the ones that our broader staff had uh, had said, this is Instead of the thing you want to do, this is what we're going to do. And she executed that, helped it uh, be as good as it possibly could. So she she was actually executing plans that she didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. She voiced her opinion, did so respectfully. And instead of, this is what I, I loved at the end, instead of like her, her losing clout, instead of her losing influence, instead of her losing voice or respect, she gained it. Yeah, absolutely. Because she disagreed well. Absolutely, she gained trust. And I think one of the things there around disagreeing well is to never assume you know the motive of the other person. Always assume there is more to the story when you disagree with something. And I I find that when you lead that way, it makes people drop their weapons. As opposed, if you go in hot, going, hey, you did this, therefore you you must think this, this must have been your motive or intent. Um, If you lead with questions like, hey, I'm perceiving that you did this and I, that's what this means to me. Can you help me understand using language like that? It makes people drop their weapons. But if you always assume there must be more to the story, 99% of the time there is. Yes, that's right. That's right. And one of the things I've learned about leadership is that there's always more information than you have. You know, if someone is above you is making a decision and then I've, I've seen people react negatively who don't have all the information and they believe the worst. Mm-hmm. So just the principle, I think we've talked about this here before. You believe the best. And if you can't, then you ask for clarification. My, my starting place is I believe that you are for me, you're for this organization, mm-hmm. that you're telling the truth, uh, that everything's above board, you're, you're wise. If I don't, then I'm going to ask for clarification before I start building a case um, against you. You know, we, we do have, we have these clear admonitions in scripture. I was thinking about 1 Peter 1.17, that we're to show respect to everyone. And we're to fear God and honor those who are in in leadership. And so sometimes in our leadership journey, we are not in control. And we still have a responsibility to honor God in the way that we disagree. So necessary skill, something people will talk about behind your back is how you disagree. 
And you, there's a way to disagree well, and there's a way to be kind of contentious and where people will not let you into the decision, but you can distinguish yourself in the way that you disagree and actually be brought into more and more decisions. So, okay, that was number one, disagree well. Caitlin, what is number two? Uh, the second principle we want to talk about is be engaged. So energy, the energy you bring into a room yeah. is a differentiator. And when you come in and you are characterized by self-motivation, by excitement about the direction and the priorities of your leadership, that matters a lot. It is so fun to lead people who are excited about the direction you're leading them in. So it's kind of the counterbalance. That doesn't mean you don't disagree or you you can't have feedback, but overall being characterized by energy and excitement, it is so fun to lead people like that. So there's a guy on my team whose name is Scott. This is one of his chief differentiators. Yeah. And he will say this is the last job he hopes he ever has. He wants to die in the building. That's a little dramatic. Not everybody <laughs> has to be like Scott, but he's used those words before. He is just excited to be there. And so I think that for some people, they think this might be a personality trait. And so what if I'm not a cheerleader type? What if I'm not an yes. energetic or bombastic type? And so the principle in scripture I would point you to is more being marked by joy Hmm. being marked by an excitement and a connection to the mission, seeing that come through. So I think that you don't necessarily have to be over-the-top bombastic. If that's not your personality, no one's trying to make you be something that you're not. But the idea of being marked by joy and positivity and optimism, um, I think is, is important. And it really, really makes a difference. And as a leader, I'll tell you, your leaders want people to follow them who are excited to be there. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I would say, I would also add your name to this list for sure. You bring tremendous energy, no matter which way we're going. And if we change course, you're excited about it. So put me in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you make conscious decisions about? How do you lead yourself? What is it tangibly that you say and do? Well, I think... Oftentimes, I when I'm thinking about energy, bringing energy to a room, I'm mostly thinking about nonverbals mm-hmm. because I've found that my energy level has a an ability to negatively or positively influence the room. And so I think that that's why I make more of a conscious decision, especially if I'm in a room with people that I lead to go, hey, even if sometimes even if I don't feel it, like I, I didn't sleep very well the night before or we made a, you know, critical outfit error and we're just not feeling it that day. I think I try to make a a specific choice to do that because it has an outsized impact on other people. Just your nonverbals. Like, are you, are you leaning in? Are you engaged? Is your laptop down? Are you excited? You know, that sort of thing. So one of the things you say a lot is I'm excited and and you mean it, but I've always wondered, are you making a conscious choice uh, to say that? Uh, But people want to be in the room with you. They, uh, they value your opinion and they, they really, really uh, appreciate your energy uh, for whatever it is, like whatever the thing is, you're glad to be there. You're going to stand on the balls of your feet metaphorically and and bring it. And And I hear this from leaders. Um, people are really excited about kind of their projects, their platform, mm-hmm. their ministry, their thing. And the leader above them is saying, hey, I, I need you excited about this and they can't, they can't get them excited mm-hmm. about it. And it causes a lot of friction and a lot of consternation. So if you want to distinguish yourself, if you want to have this X factor, you get excited about all of it and you, you are engaged on all the things, not just your ideas. Little silo. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think caring about what your boss cares about, which is a preview of a principle we'll get there to we in a little bit. Yes. So we'll get there in a bit, but let's keep on rolling through. So John, I think you've got principle number three for us. Yes. Um, this one will actually score you some points around here for sure. It's this, to love your family and your friends. 
love your family and your friends. Mm -hmm. If you want to distinguish yourself around here, you are a great friend. You're a great spouse. You are a great mom and dad. And that shouldn't really be a surprise for us. It's a mark of discipleship. How will people know that we follow Jesus? It's the way that we love other people. So yes, you'll read your Bible. Yes, Mm -hmm. you will pray. Yes, you will share your faith. But uh, one of the true tests is, will you love those around you, those that are close to you, especially closest friends in your family. Second, you know, it is a qualification to be an elder. Uh, you lead your family well. doesn't matter if you're an amazing teacher, uh, you know, the Bible backwards and forwards. If you don't lead your family well, then you don't have the prereq requirements to lead here, to lead in the church and lead in God's, in God's church. So it really is, it is this table stakes to do the thing that, that you do, uh, especially in a church. And We just value those Mm -hmm. who are really good friends, really good parents, really good spouses. And so Sean Hill, he leads our kids ministry. And during this time, we got to celebrate just some of the tangible ways he was loving uh, his wife and his kids uh, through a difficult season. And you could, you could actually tell what kind of leader he was because of the ways he was loving his sweet wife, Emily. And, and so if you don't around here, and I bet you in your organization too, if you don't tend to those that are closest to you, in many respects, you don't have any right to tend to those who aren't close to you. It's almost counterintuitive to say it, but it's true that having a life beyond work actually helps you in your work. That's really good. And I good. think that is for two reasons. One, I think it can charge you up and fill your cup so that when you come to work, if you have a rich personal life, you come to work and then and you can kind of work out of the overflow of that. And, and then the other piece of it is that having a healthy life outside of work help keeps work in its proper place. Mm. Important, but not ultimate. Yeah. And so I think that I see that too. So I, I think it is it is funny that almost the the people who have really, really rich personal lives tend to also have really, really rich work lives as well. Anybody that you think of there? Well, I think of, you know, a girl who just joined our team who is named Emma. And she is has a funny hobby. She is obsessed with the professional world of surfing. Yes. Women's surfing. That's right. Yeah. She did a PowerPoint presentation. She did. It's incredible. It's hilarious. And she will like fall. Now, just in case readers don't know, we we are located in Dallas, Texas. We are nowhere near. The surfing mecca of the universe. I believe um, Emma was born in Arizona, I believe. So we are nowhere. (laughs) She has just picked up this hobby. And it has it has become she goes on surfing like she goes and attends surfing competitions just to watch. And I think that that's an excellent element of like that. She has this interesting hobby that fills her cup personally. Yeah. And it's also like I, I think that bleeds over into her work. She has something to, to talk about. She has something to do a reason, you know, more more reasons to take really fun, exotic PTO yeah. like that, I think, fuels itself and makes you kind of a more well, well-rounded person. I love it. Have you ever been surfing before? I have been surfing. before. Are you good at it? Um. We're not great. Okay. Yeah. Like, scrap the humility. Yeah. We're not. No, we're not good at it. We're not good at it. But, I I mean, we're not the most sporty. It is tough. Oh, yeah. We, uh, a couple years ago, I was like, man, you know, uh, I'm in my late 40s. This is clearly the time to pick up surfing. And I was humbled. Man, Mm -hmm. I was humbled. And um, I don't know if I'm going to go back to that well. But love your family. Love your friends. Uh, one One of the things we'll ask around here is how is your ministry, which is such a great question because what you would think we're asking there is, how's the thing that we pay you to do? What we're asking is your first ministry to those that are closest to you, Mm -hmm. oftentimes to your family if you have one. And if that's not 
in order, then you don't have the right to lead uh, in other areas. And so we don't talk about that. I don't think it's in our manual anywhere, but I've seen people both gain clout or lose it Mm -hmm. because of the way that they love their family and their friends. So Caitlin, what's next? All right. Number four is take initiative. So see opportunities and take action when nobody asks you to, Yeah. right? So around here, we also call that this concept being an owner. So treating, um, for example, one of the values on our staff is picking up trash on our campus. You take the initiative. It's not your job to pick up trash on our campus. So try to figure it out before you ask for help. That's taking initiative to go above and beyond what is asked. That's another way this could look. So let me give you a story that happened last week. My assistant was out of town. And so while she was out of town, we had another assistant that was covering for her. She was out of town for a significant amount of time. She, she went overseas for a few weeks. And so another assistant agreed to essentially cover my calendar for a period and, and of time. And she was assisting me and she was fantastic. And on her last day assisting me, she sent me an email looking forward the following three weeks past when she would be supporting me. Love it telling me all of the calendar conflicts that were on my calendar and her proposals to resolve it. And I responded and she did it on her last day. So she looked forward to when she wouldn't be supporting me to help me get ahead of my calendar changes because she knew that when my assistant came back, that would be really difficult for her in the middle of getting back from being overseas for a few weeks to do that. And my jaw was on the floor. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I was so impressed. I felt so cared for. And what it made me want to do is I wrote an email to her bosses saying, this is what she did for me. And I need you to know for her next annual review, if there is anything I can do to advocate for this this girl's name is Lois, there's anything I can do to advocate for. I became her biggest fan. And I also just felt so cared for. And so I would, that's one of my favorite examples of taking initiative, seeing around corners and going, no one's asked me to do this. I'm going to do this because I see value in it. And it just, it floored me. Yes. Yes. And it, it is a way to distinguish yourself. So Absolutely. most people, if you're, you know, if you're still on the team in any capacity, paid or not, you're, you're doing kind of the thing that you are tasked with. But that's, that's why you're still here. And someone really does pop when, mm-hmm. they, when they take initiative. This marks everybody that I work with uh, closely on my, on my immediate team. And they repeatedly just bring things to me that they're really they're not broken and they just feel like I can make this better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a run at this before I, you know, before I spent 20 hours on it, I wanted to run this by you, but this is what I think we should do. This is how I think it would be better. This is what would be the payoff. And I'm like, wow. And it is just so much fun. It's so much fun mm-hmm. uh, to work with people like that. And you want to give them more, not less. Another way to think about this is not passing your problems downstream. Yeah. So not assuming if you identify a problem, even if it's not necessarily your area, Instead of saying, oh, I bet someone else will get to it. Yep. Or, oh, this is a problem I see coming, but it doesn't directly affect me, so I'm not going to raise my hand. People who can say, hey, I'm looking forward, and this is going to cause an issue in three to four steps. I'm so impressed by that. Yep, that's good. And it's also a really great way to, to grow as well. So I think if you've got a natural aptitude towards something and it's easy, that that's a great one to take initiative on. Uh, but if it's also going to make you have to flex some new muscles, learn some new skills, that's a great place to show initiative because you're going to have to figure it out along the way. It'll be a really growing opportunity uh, for you. So I think you've got the next principle, right, John? Yes, it is. So number five, if you want to distinguish yourself, uh, you become great at your craft. So what I told our staff is if we hire you, we assume you are now our expert on X. Mm -hmm. So if we hire you to be the junior high youth pastor and you've never had a junior high kid, you've never worked with junior high kids, we still expect you day one 
to know all there is to know about junior high ministry, which is completely unfair and, and in some ways completely absurd. We trust you is, uh, is what that says, but then it's your job to learn all there is to know about what makes junior high kids tick, about what it is to move them along in their spiritual journeys, what it is that motivates junior high kids. How do you help other people you know, invest in junior high kids? How do you help parents raise junior high kids? Which means you can't do that day one. There's no way you know half of that. But there's a sense that if you have that moniker, if you've got that title, you are an expert and you are just going to relentlessly get better and better and better at your craft. You're going to hone your skills and you're going to know more and more knowledge. So many people, like I mentioned on this one, Christy Shermack is the name that came to mind. Um, Christy was an engineer, I think by trade. Mm -hmm. that what uh, She went to college to be yes, an engineer. Yes, that's true. And, was, and I believe she did that right out of college. Yeah. And so brilliant, brilliant woman. And now... She runs a clinic. Uh, Watermark Health is a whole division that we spun off. It's a separate 501c3. Uh, and Christy had to figure all of mm -hmm. that out. All of that out. And you think about the com complexities of the healthcare system. Absolutely. And you think about, you know, managing people. And then she had to, you know, do real estate and compliance. Christy figured all mm -hmm. of that out, which was amazing. And now when she talks about any part of the healthcare system or uh, how we can love and serve our you city. You almost think she's a doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In the way she advocates and understands the nuances of the healthcare industry. Yeah. It's wild. Yes. And so lots of ways you can do that. One, obviously you can read. You can just go read all the literature, all the things. You can uh, read all the books. There's probably a podcast that would help you with whatever it is that you're trying to become an expert on. There's probably a conference or some type of organization that you can you know, be involved with and just become relentless and then find those who know what it is that you need to know. And you stay close, you look for ways to serve them. We've talked about that before. But if you want to distinguish yourself, you become really, really great at your craft. You become, we would say, an expert in your field and whatever that is. And it, it's gonna take a long time. It's gonna you know, take at least 10,000 hours, probably more. But that is a way you distinguish yourself. Not just doing your job, but becoming an absolute expert uh, the way Christy is. I think an aspect of this is being humble enough also to learn something new if you've been in a role for a while. And so one of the temptations I think you can have if you've been in your role for a while and you've gotten really good at your craft is to coast. Yep. And so the always be learning something new. So it, it's almost become great at your craft and be committed to becoming even greater. Yes. I think I see that a lot on the communications team. I lead the communications team, but we consistently have new people coming in because communications is changing all the time who have a, a much deeper knowledge of, than me in certain areas. And I've got to be committed to learning their aspects too. And that takes humility to go, oh, I don't actually know that aspect. Can you teach me, yeah. you know, in order yeah. to be able to help lead them and guide them? Yeah. You want to work with people, be on mission, be on a team with people who are amazing at what they do. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, there's a continuum there. So no one will be the world's expert on whatever the thing is, but you want to have people around you that are moving in that trajectory and you want to model that yourself. And I think if you really do want to pop, if you really want to stand out, you will become great at your craft. Okay, Caitlin, well, you talked so much that I think this will be a good two-parter here. So we're going to shut this one down. Oh, great. We had the five there. Disagree well, be engaged, take initiative, love your family and friends, and become great at your craft. Think about those. What would it look like to gain some ground in one of those? Is there a, a weak area there? What about those that you work with? What about your friends, those that report to you? How can you use some of these ideas to make them better, help make them stand out and 
create the kind of team that you will be really, really excited about. So friends, thanks so much for listening to this episode. We'll pick it back up here in two weeks with the next five. If you have any questions or comments or anything you want us to know, we would love to hear from you at clp at watermark.org. That's clp at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time.